There's no Halloween like spooky movies I think coming out this year. At least yeah, the there's no movies coming out at all. <laughs> now hold on, Wonder Woman '84 is now oh, a Christmas release. Yeah, well, which I cannot wait to see if Warner Brothers thinks Dune and Wonder Woman '84 are going to be fine. Which I, to me yeah. just feels like a death sentence for Dune, which yeah. is such a, which is unfortunate because that movie looks fantastic. Oh yeah. And it's, I mean, I get it. Like, Wonder Woman 84 is probably going to make more money regardless of what the reviews are going to be. Like, oh, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I still believe if Dune was 100% and Wonder Woman 84 was 15% and a week before they came out, Wonder Woman 84 would still make more yeah, money. Sure. <laughs> like, it was, uh, but, but yeah. yeah it, it is just kind of disappointing to see them, like, pit their movies against each other yeah you like know? you don't want to do that with denis especially after like blade runner 2049 was like such a great film but like it came a out flop. a weird time in a flop it was a box yeah. office bomb which sucked yeah and i'm glad it's it's still going maybe still it'll is... be the villeneuve curse oh don't say that do a great no. remake or a great no, no, no. follow-up to I, a to a beloved franchise, I, I need to see how weird. I need to see how weird they're gonna let Villeneuve get. Yeah, like they're like, so Denis, you want to do the worm person from <laughs> Dune? Like, I think if he gets that far in the series, I, I feel like that he has to have pretty free reign on stuff. <laughs> I would hope so if they're giving him. It's got to be two hundred million, right? That yeah, movie yeah, just yeah. looks. If it wasn't two hundred million or at least one hundred and fifty, I would lose my mind and be like, Denis just knows the right people to hire. Yeah. Or like. WB just knows the people <laughs> to be in there. <laughs> All right, we're beating around the bush. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm Logan Solash. I'm Andy Carr. And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, we take three films, a trio that is tied whether by number, cast and crew, or just by thematic elements. We take each film one by one, and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today we are talking about the second film in our Rise of Snyder trilogy. Last week we talked about the utterly forgettable <laughs> Dawn of the Dead remake that he made in 2004. Oh yeah, that's what we covered. <laughs> it's so weird because it felt like we did that two weeks ago. Yeah, it felt like so long ago. <laughs> yeah, and so like now we are going to talk about the film that basically made Snyder and has basically mm-hmm. given him free reign of whatever he's wanted in the future. And that is 2007's... 300 yeah and we're talking about the 300 like this is sparta gerard butler we're talking about the i i guess was considered the biggest r-rated comic book film until deadpool i think it was yeah Yeah. that would make sense because like this film was one of those types of films that came out almost at the right time like it just yeah. like it was memed to shit. It was all over the place. <laughs> the trailer was everywhere, edited in with all these other yeah. different IPs. Which I had, which those trailers we watched that one, I had no idea that there were fan made stuff like that. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me, but like, well, that stuff is so commonplace now. Yeah, you know, yeah everybody's yeah. on YouTube. Everybody has editing software. Everybody's yeah. making their own, you know, office <laughs> trailers or whatever. Yeah, but like back you know, then, thirteen years ago, you had some probably like twelve year old working on Windows Movie Maker. Yelling, Shop, photoshopping in or you know editing yeah. in uh, yelling uh, hogwarts into their <laughs> webcam to make a harry potter 300 matchup yeah. so it's yeah it's i don't know the, i guess the best way to start with this is 300 is exactly the film you remember it whether yeah. whether you haven't seen it since it was in theaters in 07 or you've seen it yearly for for whatever reason you know about this film it is exactly the same film which is which isn't a bad thing. Like that's the weird thing too about this film is like it is exactly what you think it is. Yeah. It doesn't beat around the bush in the trailer or anything. Like it tells you from the get go that this is it. Well, yeah, and it's not one of those movies. You know, you pick, you pick it up a decade later and you're like, oh wow, there's so much that I missed in this. Oh or, like, my god, so much yeah. That I forgot about it. Didn't pick up on. It's like no, it's just muscly dudes well, yeah. yelling. And, Ex- except for the goat playing the sitar. Well, okay, that yeah, was that was a the, weird like the goat man in Xerxes's tent. <laughs> which is another thing that's kind of interesting about this film is like. The three hundred, the Battle of Thermopylae, which is this is what it's based off yep. of. Uh, it's it's a story that is, I think, in most history classes when you talk about Greek culture and like ancient Greece, it's brought up maybe in like a chapter, mm. maybe even a paragraph in some history books in terms of like just your standard knowledge of like this happened. And like with right. this, you kind of go into it and like they take their absolute liberties with it, and it's and it's just kind of bonkers how many liberties it takes and it's not a bad thing for sure. doing that like it's no. again it is doing I mean, it, exactly yeah. what it's trying to tell you yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> making a making a myth out of a 
of a semi-significant yeah, historical was, event. Yeah, that was just a basically a spoken word, like yeah. story upon story, yeah, and, and it kind of turns it into this super stylish, mm-hmm. muscular myth. Which apparently, I don't know if it was a controversy or not, but I think Frank Miller and Zack Snyder constantly had to like discuss that with like interviewers, where it's like uh, this movie is weird and over the top and has like creatures in it because it's supposed to take on it's the it's from the pers- perspective of uh i can't remember his name but faramir from the lord of the rings trilogy oh, yeah the uh, eye patch dude yeah dilios i think maybe is his name uh, i think it's right there dilios yeah dilios yeah. yeah dilios it's basically this whole film is his retelling of that story so of course he's going to embellish it right and make it seem more over the top but i think that's yeah. what i think snyder is kind of used that not as an excuse but like his explanation as to why like this story is so over the top is because it is being told by a man who knows how to embellish at the right yeah. times. Well, and it's, yeah, it's being used as a, as a hype for like, yeah. other soldiers. You see early on in the film, it cuts to like, you hear Delios's narration, not knowing who it is, but then it cuts to him yeah. mm-hmm. in front of a army of soldiers mm-hmm. telling the story that he's been narrating mm-hmm. um, from behind the curtain. And, so it's clear he's yeah he's he's embellishing and he's hyping up these guys to go into battle inspired by yeah. the tale of Leonidas. And I also think it's funny that like going in like if whether you've seen this for the first time or not like going through it now you see as soon as you see Dilios he has an eye patch so you're like oh we're probably going to see how he lost that eye but I cannot remember during this walk like uh, yeah. this watch when he lost the eye either we both missed it or <laughs> it's think, not actually you know in there. I think that I we think we did I yeah. think for some reason it was like a blink in your miss situation yeah cuz the only eye thing I can remember is with Leonidas fighting that giant ogre thing yeah where it's like it cuts it makes that uh, scar on his eye and uh well I guess if we're gonna, I, if you don't know what we're talking about, I guess I'll just do a synopsis. 300 is just the story about the Battle of Thermopylae, which is a just a retelling of the story of 300 Spartans going up against the Persian Empire. Yep. And it's following King Leonidas, played by Gerard Butler, as he leads his 300 men to fight just an over-encompassing force coming into his land. And it is not... You know, representative of the Iraq, the Iraq War at all? No, yeah. <laughs> it's not at all super patriotic in any way. No, no, no. no. It's not at all a product no. of its time. No. It just, you know, it's if it were any of those things, it you know would be uncharacteristic of Snyder. <laughs> but that is again, what makes this probably one of the best films, if not Snyder's best film, is like going through it this time it's like oh i do see like the allusions to the iraq war oh yeah and in like the dialogue That's probably and, like, the, the biggest thing you're gonna pick up if you haven't seen it in a long time yeah but like i it, didn't think about those things when i was a kid yeah. but but it doesn't really matter it's almost like a, oh yeah. you see that and then you just keep going with the film because the film mainly moves at such a fast pace that like if you try to take a breath you're just going to be left behind yeah it's more and just it's, the the illusions the, the the political illusions are more like you said a a product of its time like that was the environment in which this movie you know came to be rather than like oh this movie's deliberately designed as you know propaganda illusions for Maybe. you know yeah. going and attacking and at the same I, I, don't, I don't think i yeah. really got like a preachy tone from mm-hmm. it at the same time, too, it is adapted. This is adapted from a graphic novel written by Frank Miller, who yeah. is very known politically. He's very political in most of his work, so it could also just be Snyder ad- adapting exactly what Miller does yeah, in the I book. I haven't read Three Hundred, but the thing the thing with Frank Miller is like you know he he's all over the place politically in his work, but. Andy, he's the man who made The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> he has a free pass for anything he does. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's but just, no, it's just yeah, because yeah. he has certain elements in a lot of his work. You know, that's very, you know, I don't want to say necessarily progressive, but you know, like you know, he he leans both sides of the aisle depending on which parts of his work you're looking at. Yeah, it's it's um, it's very much like you can you can tell what's a Frank Miller comic, but in terms of what the, it's trying to say, it just That's depends. not always clear. Yeah. yeah, it depends on, like... It's, I mean, it's charged. It's yeah. just sometimes hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. Charged in what direction. Yeah, because I think at one point, doesn't he, like, post... Uh, Post nine eleven, didn't he have like a like Batman goes to the I goes to Iraq like story that like oh. DC wouldn't let him do? So like he basically 
changed Batman into like this red, like Avenger. Like it was like a maroon color took off the ears, and he kind of like. Uh. It's one of those things where it's like I know that this happened at one point. I just don't know when it came out. <laughs> oh, I, I don't. No, it's not. It's not that one. I don't. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. It's just like, yeah. But this another thing is like bringing up Frank Miller is a good point because this was also a weird time where like when it came to comic book adaptations, like. The MCU really hadn't happened yet. I mean, it was in the works, but we hadn't seen much of it yet. Uh, Batman Begins had come out, but we hadn't seen The Dark Knight yet. And for some reason, in between, like, the start of the MCU and Batman Begins start, in between that, it was like, it's time to do Frank Miller comics. Yeah. Because 2006 was Sin City, which was a hit. And then 2007 is 300. Mm -hmm. And And then, uh... which were just both big hits. And then, like, they gave Frank Miller... The, the rain to do the spirit. Yeah, and then we don't hear anything from Frank Miller until 2014 with yeah, both. Yeah, they did a Sin City sequel. And a 300 sequel. They oh, both, yeah. they both came out in 2014, but nobody watched them right. because it was too far. <laughs> nobody into... wanted them. <laughs> no, but I will say, I think Lena Headey does show up in the sequel and ages like fine wine. It's not like yeah. there's been seven years have passed. She's already <laughs> knee-deep in Game of Thrones, but she comes back, I think, for a few minutes oh. <laughs> in the second 300 film. But yeah, it's it's strange about 300 is unlike the Dawn of the Dead remake last week where we were just like, we were chomping, like we were dr- like grasping at straws to figure out what to talk about besides it's just forgettable, it's not offensive, it's just really weird and a product of its time. It's the flip side of the coin with this one where it's like, this film is still good. Like if you liked this film when it first came out, you'll still like this film now probably. Like it hasn't really horribly aged at all some of the cgi is definitely aged but yeah. overall it's like but for the most part it's so stylized that it like all kind of works in yeah. its own language yeah um, which i think is also what gives it more it. of a timelessness to it yeah which is kind of hilarious since dawn of the dead remake is such a like oh my god this is early 2000s which is this i think even 10 years from now if you show a, a teenager this like if someone at our when we were out our, our age uh <laughs> When we first saw this, because I saw this in theaters when it came out, and so if you show a teenager in like the twenty thirties, they would probably still enjoy it without really thinking about like this movie's like twenty plus years old. Like it's (laughs) it's so stylized and knows exactly what it's trying to do that it doesn't really take away from the narrative. But that's the thing too is the flip side of the scenario is this movie's good. And that's basically it. It's exactly what you remember it being. There's not yeah. too much to take away from each rewatch besides, yeah. like, maybe it, little things. It's also one of those that, like, the anything that's not the action and the slow-mo and the cool visuals is not really that important. I don't want to say yeah, it's not no, important it's... to the story, but it's not It's not that interesting as a viewer. Yeah. Um, it, it feels very much like a, either... This was in the comic, so they had to put it on screen because that's what Miller wanted. Yeah. Or they felt like, well, we got to have some in between stuff. <laughs> we might as well cut back to Sparta at times. Because yeah. you were like, because when we first started watching this, you were like, oh, this is like a tight ninety. And I was like, no, this is almost two hours. Yeah. And you're, and we're, we're both like looking at ourselves like, like how is this going to be two hours? And then like the political stuff happens, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> this yeah. is taking its time. And then by the end of the film. Like, I even asked you, like, if you just cut out all the political stuff, would you really be losing anything? Like, say you cut yeah. out everything except Dilio's coming back. Would it really feel... Because, like, Lena Headey's the only, like, real female actor, like, a prominent actress in the film. Yeah. And she, in terms of lines, she's really just set dressing for the majority of the film. Right, yeah. She's set dressing. There is uh, not much... She basically... Her whole plot in the film is, like... Sparta does not want to help her husband as he's fighting off the Persian Empire. And so, like, she's trying to find a way to speak with, like, the council. And, like, her her in with the council is, like, no one's listening to me. You have to go talk to this one guy. And this one guy is, like, the super young, very liberal, like, councilman. And he... He decides to rape her and then lie about the rape in front of council saying yeah, that accuse, she's a whore. Yeah, accuse and then, her of propositioning herself. Yeah, and, 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 and I think in most films that would lead to, like, maybe they put her in, like, a jail cell or whatever a, <laughs> an ancient version of a cell is. And then she gets out and kills yeah. that councilman. But immediately as she's called a whore and said, like, you know, she wanted it. 
uh, she pulls out a sword, kills the guy. Just stabs him. Like it's not even. Resolve. Yeah, it's like it's so quick and easy. Almost like Snyder's like, okay, okay, let's just let's get back to the action. Let's yeah, get, let's get back to the good like, stuff. It's like, okay, it's, we did the thing. We did. Yeah. The, we had the conversations. Yeah. And the political discourse. Now let's let's get back. Let's to get it. back to the muscly men killing Persians. Yeah. The evil Persians from the east. Yeah. The, the <laughs> one. Yeah. It's... Dressed just like you know, kind of stereotypical images of, of you know Islamic <laughs> civilians. It's so like it's 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 just so weird. It's like the Persians are disgusting. They let the disabled like they treat disabled people like yeah. actual people. They give it's people like, like positions in yeah. society, and they like, give yeah. people the freedom to live how they want. Yeah, they don't. They but but the Spartans, they're the badasses because they they fight from they birth. Fight they're against, bred for yeah. war. They don't do anything fun. They don't. They don't show emotion. Because yeah. they're cool. Yeah, they're not. They don't. They're not wearing makeup and seven feet tall like yeah. Xerxes. Yeah, <laughs> Xerxes like... draped in jewelry and yeah. his fingernails, heavy eyeliner, gold fingernails. Yeah. Like it's all just like, it's very funny now just seeing it being like, yeah, this this does feel. Yeah. <laughs> this is very silly, but in a fun way. And again, I think one of the biggest things about this film and the reason why it works so well years later is like this is such a bombastic just over-the-top version of the Battle of Thermopylae that you need to have people who are behind the camera know how to make it even more flashy and people in front of the camera who can do performances that are just as bombastic and both do it well. Yeah. Like, the the cast is fantastic with pretty much every single line they're given. Like, this is, apparently, this was Fassbender's first big film and he is killing it every time <laughs> he's on screen. Yeah, he's he's he is maybe the most fun person to watch just cuz he's he's almost mm-hmm. kind of like the crazed yeah. one of yeah. the group. I mean, they're all kind of bloodlusted, you know, they want to die in battle for glory yeah. and stuff, but he's like laughing about it and like yeah <laughs> looking at the army coming and like smiling and being like, "Ah, maybe maybe they'll give me my <laughs> glorious death." death. Yeah, cuz it's and it's like the cast itself, you don't they're you don't really know their names. Like it's like I I cannot tell you. I only know Dilios's name because you had IMDB pulled up yeah, right yeah. in front of my eyes so I could look it up and be yeah. like, There it is. I was I was kinda surprised how um I mean I guess I wasn't paying attention to the names last time I watched this movie, <laughs> but like it was weird how, how hard to understand a lot of the characters were sometimes. Yeah. And they would just mm-hmm. kind of casually, occasionally say each other's names in passing. And you'd be like, yeah, okay, that sounded Greek, but I, I don't know what yeah. it was. Well, that's funny thing, too, is, like, I think with just Snyder as an action director, he just, like, he he was always, it always felt like he was like, yeah, we got to put these lines in between, but, like, let's get to the good stuff. Like, he yeah. was, like, it was almost like every time they got an action break, he already like had an idea of what he wanted to do and like how to, and then you get back to the dialogue and it's like ah, if they can't even hear it, it doesn't matter. Like they're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's again, it's the reason why this film is so crucial in discussing Snyder, especially in his early career, is pretty much every film after this, whether they get worse, whether they get better, which is debatable, but it, like whether it like his quality fluctuates as a director, it seems like. Any fan of his, or at least even people who are in studios who give him more work, always have this idea in the back of their heads of like, yeah, but like, this guy made 300. Like, this man was told, like, I want to do 300. He does yeah. 300 100% like the comic. Like, he gets panels 100% perfectly and makes a move. Like, he... <laughs> He he like makes these super visual moments stand yeah, he does, out. Yeah, he does brain. all those those slow mo zooms to kind of frame yeah. frame up a, a key frame like like that looks like a panel from the comics, and then you yeah. know, he ramps up the yeah. speed into the next movement, and yeah. then freezes again and shows another key frame. It's like and the then ramps per- up the speed. And it's the perfect frame. use of his slow mo techniques that he loves to do later on in his films, yeah. which it's, we will. It's, <laughs> it's probably the only movie of his where the slow mo doesn't annoy me. Yeah, it's one of the only ones. I think n- not. Not that every instance after yeah. this annoys me, but I think every movie after this has a scene yes. in it with slow mo. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, why? Why was that slow mo? Uh, that was stupid. This is the film that was the most consistently good with its slow mo. Pretty much every yeah. film after this where Snyder uses slow mo, it, it depends scene by scene. Well, and a lot of that I think uh, is because you know, not not to give <laughs> Snyder too much credit, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, 300 was kind of a visually groundbreaking film. I mean, absolutely. I, there weren't 
movies that looked like that you know that's or, the great the part camera yeah. moved like that or the action was choreographed like that um mm-hmm. and i think that's why i mean yeah the novelty is still there for the slow-mo because it's like whoa this is a whole other way to do a fight scene that we didn't know about yeah and it's... then after that kind of all of his movies do that well it was like, str- oh, cool. it was strange how i completely forgot just how long those like those scenes are without cutting yeah like they're just like really long like they just like they know exactly what the choreography is, where the camera needs to be, and it's just these long moments of just like slaughtering Persians. Yeah. And like it's those very like, side well scrolling shots. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. It's kind of following from the side, and you're seeing the, the Spartans massacre mm-hmm. waves. Of yeah. Persians. And it's like, you, you, it's just the first time, and I, I said this after we saw it, it was like the first five minutes of the film already has more of a vision and more interesting than the entirety of the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. Like, it just, like, immediately, like, it doesn't bullshit. It goes, you know, Warner Brothers, Le- or Legendary Presents, because I don't even think this is Warner Brothers. I think this is entirely Legendary. Yeah, I think, I think his right. first Warner Brothers film. Well, like, Legendary is a subsidiary, I think, of Warner Brothers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or at least it will be later, but... um. It's like Legendary presents 300, and it just goes right into 300. Like it yeah. just like it doesn't even bullshit. It just goes right into Delios telling the story of King Leonidas. You see him as a kid, which in the early part of the film you see like Leonidas's father fight him as a child. Apparently, that child is Zack Snyder's son. Oh, cool! <laughs> in that scene, which is cool, and also the guy playing Leonidas's father is Gerard Butler's stunt double, oh. which is great, <laughs> <laughs> which is perfect too. Um, yeah. And, like, you just go right into these really cool... Like, I still think this time my favorite shot, personally, because I completely forgot it, is there's a shot where Teenage Leonidas goes out into the wilderness and basically has to survive for I don't know how long, but he basically survives in the cold, and you see a black wolf that is silhouetted by the darkness, and the only way you can tell that the wolf is there is there is snow hitting its fur. Mm-hmm. And it's like a super cool, like obviously it's a comic book shot. Yeah. But it's so cool to see that in motion. Like it's so interesting to see like Snyder and like just the creative like post production team around it being able to like, this is the shot we need to create. And they do it almost <laughs> verbatim. Yeah. And it's like, shit, that's so, that's so well done. And it's like, damn. Again, for a man who will later become definitely more controversial with each new film he does. Like this film, just like of course, why would no, why would any studio not give this man just anything to do whatever he would want? Yeah. After this, because it's like he takes like still a relatively low budget for like what will end up becoming yeah. a blockbuster. That was the thing too. Is like I think I was looking up and it was like Warner Brothers didn't even expect this to be that big of a hit. Like this movie came out in like March of two thousand seven. And like they expected like Sin City numbers. Like they were projecting like if it does as good yeah. as Sin City, uh it that's that'll be fine. It does so much better than Sin City does. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, box office wise, but it's like Warner Brothers went, Holy shit. <laughs> like yeah. this movie is like a genuine hit. Like in the states, a genuine hit worldwide. It's just all around a film that pretty much everyone agreed was good. Yeah, and it was at a time where it's like, who is this guy? The Dawn of the Dead guy? Like <laughs> he made this, and it's and that's mainly what we can talk about because <laughs> like everything else about it is just like think of a scene from the from the film. It's exactly how it was when you saw it. Like it's it's not like I will say it's not as interesting. I guess to an extent to like the dawn of the dead remake in terms of deconstructing it but it's yeah. more fun to watch <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's definitely more fun to watch the weird thing about this movie is like you know we watched the trailer like a couple different trailers after we watched the movie mm-hmm. and uh i was kind of surprised like how many of the like kind of big key action moments are shown yeah. off in the trailer i'm like this movie doesn't really doesn't really save much for for the or this trailer mm-hmm. doesn't save much for the movie but like when you're watching the movie, it doesn't really matter because they're just these complex, drawn-out, elaborate action sequences. It's, it's like, this is awesome. I don't care if I saw this in the trailer. This is Yeah, it's 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 really weird how fast the film is and how it's like, in my head, I'm like, I remember I remember the sex scene. I remember that this is Sparta scene because, like, I remember, like, the stark kind of colors or, like, I just remember, like, we yep. have to we have to get to at least this scene before we get to the battle, and they almost happen like boom, 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 boom. Like they <laughs> yeah. just keep happening. It's like, 
oh, so they're already marching? Oh, they're already at the coast? Yeah. Oh, my God, they're already here? <laughs> like, it's like, it just kept going, and that's why when it would cut back to Sparta, it would just slow down. Yeah. It's like, it's those like aren't the, the parts anybody thinks back about or no, remembers, it's, and yeah. it's just like, yeah. It is, it's, it's, it's 300. It's, it's literally, it's probably one of the most inoffensive Snyder films Probably is most inoffensive because you go into this film knowing exactly what you want and you get it. And it's nothing astounding, but at the time it makes sense as to why everyone lost their shit. Because at a time where comic book films are arguably, even though, you know, series were like having slumps, like, you know, Spider-Man 3 comes out the same year this one does. X-Men 3 came out a year prior. Like, even though they were having their slumps... uh, they were still getting better, like aggr- like uh, effects wise, almost each time. And like yeah. with this one, it was like a milestone where it's like, no, we can actually just do a fucking comic book. <laughs> like we yeah. can do that. Which apparently the producer, I'm going to just get to one of these facts. It's interesting. The producer Jeffrey Silver talked about like what they considered the technique. They called it the crush. Uh, they called it because apparently in post production they would crush the blacks in like a shot and then they would just like amp up the color saturation Hmm. so i think they would just make the blacks even darker and then they would just like up the colors making like an even a bigger contrast divide and because again like a lot of this film like it's a it's a big gamble in terms of like especially for a studio being like oh we're gonna shoot all this on a blue screen and it should look like the comic and they have to be like okay let's hope (laughs) it looks like that and then it comes out looking just like it <laughs> of course now yeah so many movies are done like that oh my god yeah yeah. Like, yeah we'll we'll get it there just have faith yeah have marvel imagination that's marvel's yeah, yeah. marvel now template. builds marvel is so like built into that they have their own vfx studios and they yeah. already have like second units prepping what fights are gonna <laughs> yeah. look like and like and but at the time this was just like it, here it is here's 300 an action film that is like from top to bottom just good it's it is again it's an easy watch honestly i don't really have an issue and it's also like an easy film to like if you have to like do something else while you're watching it you're not that (laughs) far behind just turn your head when when the the fights start happening (laughs) otherwise you can continue what you're doing because i think another reason why this film is one of his best if not his best especially where he goes later on in his career is like this film is not trying to do anything heady with its script or its thematic elements or its yeah. visuals besides what's what's in the comics. It's just it's a straight up action film that's not asking you to think or overthink anything that you're seeing. Yeah. Like basically if you see something on screen, chances are it's exactly what it is on screen. It's not trying to take anything it's not trying yeah, to take anything. It's really more just from a, it. just a dumb super stylish <laughs> like uh, uh, it relentlessly masculine action yeah, movie and it's, it's just yeah it's and, and muscles and carnage at you i think i would personally replace dumb with just oh just i think it's dumb e- oh it's, it's fine that's fa- that's fair like i i agree with that personally <laughs> but i feel like if you like this movie there are genuine reasons as to like the effects are great or like you just because again butler is just killing it in this movie yeah i love butler this movie requires some pretty hefty commitment from its main stars oh god to just say these kind of ludicrous Mm -hmm. bits of dialogue with you know 200 percent fervor and enthusiasm and anger and gerard butler fassbender everybody just yeah. throws themselves I mean, at I've, it. I've seen... And that's a lot of fun to watch. I've seen This is Sparta, It's Time We Dine in Hell, Then We'll Fight in the Shade. I've seen all those so many times because of the trailers, because yeah. of just, like, maybe memes or just clips, and they've never gotten old for me personally. Yeah. They just always... Maybe I giggle now because it's, like, it's almost become meme-worthy how many times I've seen it. But it's still just genuinely well done because everybody is committed to this silly, over-the-top film. Yeah. And it works so well because Snyder has an easy goal. Make this straightforward action film that is, you know, bloody, that is a historical quote-unquote epic yeah and make it look exactly like its source material and he does like it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that like you know miller was initially worried and then saul snyder i think on set and just kind of like had a vision 
the miller's like okay i i trust this guy like I, he yeah. knows what he wants and well, yeah and that's i mean that's probably the biggest strength of 300 especially in comparison to a lot of his other work it's like it's clear what he wants here and yeah he realizes it he's able to put on screen exactly what he wants mm-hmm. and i think you know that's sometimes not quite the case in a lot of Zack snyder's work no yeah it's I think he is he is not f- trying to force anything in there that is his own invention. He is changing things up. I think there are some things that he does that change not, up. Yeah, I don't know that he's not trying to put his own spin on it. I mean, he is. I mean, it's like it's... I mean, visually, yes, he's getting all the, like, keyframes and the yeah. high contrast visuals yeah. of the comics. But, mm-hmm. like, he still had to figure out how that was going to look in camera. Oh, no, for in, sure, yeah. With, you know, 3D high... You know, oh, yeah. high resolution visual effects. Like, how's this going to look yeah. photorealistic? Yeah, I think and I think it I'd... creates a style mm-hmm. that inspires, yeah, basically a subgenre of action movies yeah, for the and... next five, ten years. And, and none of them work as well as this yeah, film because yeah. Snyder's not involved. And yeah, I guess it's a good point. I wasn't trying to say that he was like a hired on director with like no creative vision yeah. attached to it. I mean, because it's obviously that is not true at all. No, I think it was more the fact that like compared to his later films. Basically, mainly, obviously, talking about like two thousand nine, like two thousand ten onward, he like it's He's, obvious that there are there are some things that don't need to be in there, but he wants solely yeah. because. And in this, you mean it's more like from like a third thematic. Yeah, He's like trying in this, to kind yeah. of cram. Yeah. a spin on it yeah he's yeah, not really and, doing that here and this he is it is and it's all him like it, it all just feels like snyder yeah especially with snyder it's just oh the 300 spartans that was a cool story you want to yeah. hear me tell it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you want me to tell it in a pretty way because this yeah. movie's gonna be pretty whereas later he's like uh, the story of superman boring you gotta make him <laughs> sad superman sucks what if he actually caused a second 9-11 what <laughs> if that was cool wouldn't that be fun guys <laughs> yeah that is not this where it's like what if the 300 had jetpacks like it's, <laughs> that almost feels like that's what modern day snyder would kind of be where it's like you would have pushed more but in this time i feel like this film gave him enough wiggle room that he was able to finally create yeah. his visual style his directorial vision like it was the first time because now yeah it's like fucking if you're trying to watch a snyder film no, watch Dawn of the Dead because that has like it really has very little Snyder involved. Yeah, and retrospectively, with all the Snyder we've gotten, it feels yeah. very un-Snyder. Yeah, it just it feels like um, it, it it feels like it's just a freelance hired job. Where yeah. It's like, hey, we need a director that can do like diet these things, <laughs> and Snyder is talented enough. He goes, I can do that, and <laughs> and it's just. I mean, I, I guess there's one thing we didn't talk about last uh, podcast that we should probably do this this episode. Yeah. Uh, we never really talked about our personal feelings about Snyder, like of, like you and me, because oh. like we didn't really because like we are making jokes about Snyder, obviously, because yeah. like we we know what it leads up to, and like we've seen we've seen the majority of his films, but like I guess we should make kind of like explain as to where we are with him uh and i know uh, andy has a fun time with snyder so i'll let him go last but uh, for me i guess the reason why we wanted to do snyder is because for me personally i think he's just such an interesting director because he just goes in very interesting directions his entire career and it's also the fact that like his entire filmography besides one film are adaptations and in terms of hits, they're all over the place. You can obviously tell a Snyder film is a Snyder film, yeah. which we will see later when they try to turn one of the Snyder films into like just a standard blockbuster, and it just sticks out. <laughs> but like, you know, Snyder is. While I don't think he's one of my favorite directors, not even close. I do remember being in the theaters for Three Hundred and Watchmen, and basically for the majority of his films that I saw in theaters. And remember enjoying chunks of parts of those films, or at least for 300, enjoying all of it. And even for Watchmen as a kid, I enjoyed all of it, which Mm -hmm. now it's different. But Snyder's just an interesting guy because, like, especially with where his career is at now, (laughs) like, it's it's worth talking about because he is an interesting figure, both in comic books and in film and just in pop culture in general because it feels like even though people seem to – we make we make fun of him, or a lot of people say that he's like a super shitty director, and he's maybe one of the worst directors of all time. If people go that far, 
he still is getting work constantly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And it's well, just, and he's, he's divisive, you know? He's yeah. making relatively mm-hmm. successful movies that yeah. some people worship as, you yeah. know, the second coming, whereas others are like, this movie was terrible. <laughs> um, you know? And it's just like, yeah. how does somebody who... He's Do consistently that. making successful movies. Yeah. They're just not... They're, they're received with such a wide range of reaction. And it's it's also just interesting because with each one of these films early in his career, he starts to grow more and more confident in his personal vision of a certain product, yeah. which is good and bad. Mostly <laughs> so it's ba- like also mostly bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like again, he is a controversial, divisive figure in yeah. terms of like especially fanboys in like comic books and definitely with films. But at the same time. The man has a director's cut that is pushing HBO Max like exclusivity for next year yeah. and is also getting an exclusive Netflix film that I think the last time I read Netflix also scheduled him to do like a prequel series or a prequel oh, yeah. film tied to it. Like the man is like it's strange that like he makes these divisive films but it seems like most people who speak for Snyder whether it's actors or people who've worked with him don't really ever say bad things about him. Yeah. It only seems like most times the bad things that people hear from him are like when he's talking to a fan that doesn't like his stuff and he doesn't uh, respond to yeah. it well. <laughs> yeah, well, he, yeah, he's. I think he's probably a fun person to work for. Like, I think he has yeah. fun making movies, and therefore people have fun making. You movies would with hope him. he's that fun if Ray Fisher is putting his career on the line to <laughs> yeah. defend the Snyder Cut. Yeah, and even Jason Momoa just came out and was like, "Come on, like, stop yeah. this, like." All, like, even Cavill, I think, which I think Cavill at this point is, like, not coming back as Superman, is, like, never had anything bad about Snyder. Like, uh, yeah. which which could also be a mix of, like, they want to still work, and those are big budget films, and there's a big, like, no one wants to become a Josh Trank type situation yeah. where it's, like, you kind of shit on your own movie, and then you're kind of blacklisted yeah. for a while. But at the same time, it is kind of interesting that, like, most people who've worked with Snyder either come back for later films for him or just, like, never really say anything bad about the guy. Yeah. Compared to, like, you know, Michael Bay, where, like, there's that iconic Ben Affleck <laughs> yeah. story where, like, he had a question about something in Armageddon and Michael Bay told him to fuck off. Yeah. And, like, I, there's not really been, like, a story like that with Snyder. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, Snyder, yeah, like I said, Snyder seems like a fun guy to work for. Yeah. Uh, I do think he makes a habit of, like, not even when he's talking to, like, critics, but just when he's being interviewed in general, like, kind of tooting his own horn or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of talking above. I, I guess, to me, he's the definition of a pretentious filmmaker I can, because he talks a... about his movies in such a lofty way, like they're playing with such oh yeah incredibly high ideas. And then you watch the movie and it's like, maybe there's a seed of that in here. But you are not, like, (laughs) remotely taking that to a level that's interesting enough to keep me engaged. I will say, in terms of, like, there is an air of pretension to it. I do agree with that, especially when it comes to his later catalog, his DC films, where they're probably his most controversial because they're they're the biggest and... I think it's it's more prevalent in his DC films because he's trying, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, trying to put his own stamp on something that's super iconic and he's like well i can't do it the normal way Mm -hmm. i gotta do it my way yeah and it's like yes you you know every filmmaker should bring their Mm -hmm. own their own language to it but it's like yeah at at a certain point he's like either you know failing to exhibit a fundamental understanding of why people like the character Mm -hmm. or he's you know inserting something that's irrelevant to the plot as a you know Something he's trying to, you know, scream at the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if I if I were to sum up in comparison to yours, my opinion of Snyder, I'm probably more in the anti-Snyder camp than mm-hmm. most people. Um, I don't think he's a horrible person. It seems like mm-hmm. he would be fun to work for or work with. Um, I don't think he's remotely one of the worst directors we have today. I mean. That's just such a vacuous statement when they're yeah, like, yeah. you know, terrible, terrible movies coming out right and left. Like yeah, yeah. People you've never heard of, you know. Yeah. Maybe there's a case for him, you know, to be the worst director who's it's, ever been consistently given the budgets he's given. Yeah, it's usually hyperbolic. Yeah, it's, it's very... 
he inspires hyperbole, whether it's positive or negative. Yes. People yes. hate him. People love him. Yeah. I'm generally not a fan. I Like I said, I think he kind of is, is high on his own mm-hmm. farts. Um, I think probably my biggest issue with him is the pretense, which kind of comes up later in his films. Not yeah. so much 300, but mm-hmm. later on when he's kind of, yeah, forcing mm-hmm. the, these ideas that he thinks are deep. It's like hashtag deep stuff. It's like, dude, you're not nearly as cool as you think you are. (laughs) I think for me, it's when it comes to Snyder, it's I I am in that camp of like, I mean, this man made 300. Like, he could have another 300 in him. (laughs) Like, especially with like... I think for me, that's just not that great of a treasure. No, that's totally fine. Like, I'm not saying like 300 is like the end-all be-all for like, you know, comic book films. But like, I do think of like the scenes in Watchmen that I think perfectly capture what the comic does or like, or like the scenes in this where it's like, you don't even have to see the comic to know that like that is an accurate interpretation. Sure. Like the, the scene where they're pushing the Persians off the cliff Yeah. or the shot of like the, uh, the boats getting attacked by the storm. And then you see the shot of Leonidas, you know, fighting the rain with the shield. Like all that stuff is like, it's so visual. It's so well done that it can't not just have like, and like it cannot have not come from the comic yeah and like i like again when we get to Watchmen, we'll talk about this more because like Watchmen is definitely the most interesting out of these three in terms of like the execution and like the road it led to that film but uh to me it's always just like i will always try to go into a snyder film and just hope to god that i will at least enjoy it on some level and if i don't It'll, it'll be, because it's a weird thing, because I do remember, like, when I saw BVS, it took me a really long, it took me a long time to kind of admit how bad it was, because I just could not believe <laughs> that a film that big would do the crazy shit that that film does. Yeah, that was. And it's, and it's also, like, and again, it's very similar to, like, Star Wars fans when it comes to Rogue One, where it's like, yeah, but, like, that Batman fight scene was pretty cool, right? Yeah. It's like, no, there's, there's more bad than that. Yeah. But it's hard not to remember that, and it's. Like, yeah, it's Snyder is just someone that I, I just want to make good films because I just want good films in general. Not because yeah. I feel like there's untapped potential in him. I feel like we've seen the majority of his potential yeah, in his career. I don't expect to see a movie much better than anything he's ever made. That's fair. We, we yeah. may one day get a movie yeah. that's as as fun as 300 or, you know, as interesting, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. as Watchmen. But, um, yeah, I, I don't expect him to one day break out a movie that's going to mm-hmm. <laughs> change my camp. <laughs> Which is totally Snyder. fine. Like, it's yeah, it's, this whole this whole trilogy was not trying to change each other's camp. No, it was more yeah. just like I thought about Snyder, and it's hard not to think about Snyder, especially, again, like every time it's like, oh, I might forget about Snyder. Something like the Snyder Cut trailer will come out, and it's so – the music choice in that is so weird. The choice for the aspect ratio is so odd, yet it's obviously intentional, and it's like, what is this trying to do? And then I can't stop thinking about Snyder for a while. Yeah. And it seems like that's, like, his goal. He's just, it's like, to yeah. constantly, like, as soon as he thinks people are going to start forgetting about, like, the Snyder Cut or, like, Army of the Dead, they'll just post stuff about it. Because, yeah. like, that's the same thing, too, is, like, after the Snyder Cut, it seemed like it was kind of going down. There was news that came out about how they were reshooting it because of the whole Chris mm-hmm. controversy and they're putting Tig Notaro <laughs> in a zombie heist film, which yeah. is, and it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Snyder has two things coming out next year. It's almost, it's definitely coincidental to a degree, but it also feels planned almost. <laughs> it's like, it feels so weird, like how it's almost like the first time you hear a word and then you hear that word so many more times that same day or like the day after. Yeah. Like, Snyder seems to know the best way to kind of, keep himself in the pop culture mindset and it's insane but it's also quite clever how this man has made so many divisive films because at this point you would think by like he would just kind of go away for a while but he doesn't like it well i I think he knows how rabid his fan base is oh my god i mean that would yes there are so many how the hell did we get the snyder cut yeah it it happened because of a hashtag yeah it It happened because fan accounts on instagram wouldn't shut shut up about it 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 happened because warner brothers was like you know that horrible five-hour cut we saw (laughs) like we can maybe milk something out of this right especially if snyder is because again that was the thing too is like there is no 
hate to break it to you, but before they announced the Snyder Cut, there was no Snyder, was no cut. Snyder cut. Yeah, it was just it was just it Snyder went, had it went a from this fringe like it was, an entertainment conspiracy theory of yeah. oh they're they're hiding this movie somewhere in the back. They're lot hiding of the Warner better Brothers. Justice League. Yeah, they're hiding this <laughs> in, this cut. It's like okay, then they come out and so... publicly say, "No, there was no Snyder cut, but here we'll make it for you because you're so mad about Isn't it." Isn't that so funny? Where it's like they're hiding that, but when it came to a better version of BVS, <laughs> Warner Brothers just released like, sure. it. Yeah. They're like, "Here, here's the director's cut. This is yeah. the better version." Yeah, clearly, they are highly motivated to sit <laughs> yes. on on better cuts of films and just hide them away. Yeah, like the, the, it's like fans are acting as if at Warner Brothers, there's like a regular office building, but there's just this one door no one goes into it. <laughs> It's locked because it's the Snyder Cut yeah, room. Yeah. Like it's all the whatever the film they think top is level in. clearance, <laughs> yeah. like to get into the Snyder Cut room. Oh my god, it's just. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's why we're talking about him now because Snyder is just an interesting character, just as a director and just as a person. And in terms of three hundred, cut and dry. If you like three hundred, you'll like it this time. And if you haven't seen it, if you like action films you'll get it like it's it's like it's yeah. a it's a macho man action, action film cool. yeah uh, there it does not pass the bechdel test <laughs> if that's oh, like if you're yeah. really expecting that from a snyder film about the battle of thermopylae i'm sorry to disappoint yeah uh there is a podcast called the bechdel test i've been listening to it it's yeah, good I've but like uh, I, I don't know if they've done 300, but I would love to hear their take oh, on gosh, 300. Because yeah. it is really interesting, because we both are making fun of, like, how the film... Like, there are moments where it seems like Leonidas is seen as almost like a uh, emotional... A more emotional king, at least compared to his father. Yeah. Because, like, you see in the, in, the, in the flashback of, like, Leonidas as a kid, his father's training him how to fight, and when Leonidas screws up, his father just fucking backhand <laughs> yeah but then like you cut to you see leonidas dealing with his kid and it's like very playful and it's a very loving dad yeah. but like it's in spartan culture so they can't say out loud that they love each other yeah well, it's like really weird at the same and... time it's also like it's not like snyder is you know taking a look at spartan culture and being like wow look look how these people you know they they don't tap into their emotion they're they're weaker because they don't yeah tap into their motion there's so much beating you over the head with like yeah these guys are cool and right in their way yeah. of life because they're tough guys yeah. but then you have these little contradictory moments where yeah leonidas is showing emotion and he's yeah. heartbroken over something and it's like yeah wait a minute i thought leonidas was supposed to be the baddest of the bad why is he mm-hmm. showing emotion yeah it's honestly like there's only one scene in particular that i can think of where it feels like it doesn't fully it's kind of fighting against what it's trying to show, and it's at the end of the film where... Uh, so there's a character... You're going to have to scroll down to his name because I can't remember. It's the hump. It's the hump oh, hunchback guy. Yeah. Uh, he's right there. If Fealties? Yeah, Fealties. He is a Spartan who was deformed yeah. and uh, lived. Because in case you didn't know, in this in Spartan culture, if you were deformed, they would throw you off a cliff. Right. You know, wonderful uh, parenting from everyone <laughs> at Sparta. But uh, this Aphialtes is like this hunchback, deformed uh, Spartan who wants to put his life on the line to help fight. And he talks to Leonidas halfway through the film, and he's Leonidas is like, "You can't, you can't raise your shield high enough like a phalanx, like the Spartan way. If one part is weak, we all could fall." And it's like that makes sense. Yeah. It feels bad for this guy, but you know that makes sense. And then Ephialtes goes to the Persians because why wouldn't he? Especially when you see in like their tents, like they're treating disabled people who've like lost limbs or noticeably like there are scars and like yeah. deformities. They're treating them just like regular people. Yeah. You know, they're just having like you know beautiful women all around them because you know it's a super manly man movie. Right, right. <laughs> like, well, yeah, 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 that's how you treat somebody good. Is yeah, you give them women, give them all the ladies yeah. in Persia. And, like, he goes to a field tease, and a field tease basically tells them the weakness of their whole strategy. And then, like, right. you get to the scene where basically Persia overtakes the remaining 300. Everyone dies but Leonidas. And uh, Leonidas, in, like, one of his dying breaths, basically points a sword to a field tease, who is now, like, a Persian general. And he's dressed like a wizard for some reason. <laughs> I don't know yeah, why they gave him absurd. that hat. Like, he points at Ephialtes and says, I hope you live forever. A long and, f- like, fulfilling life. And it's supposed to be an insult. Because the yeah. in, in the entire film, uh, they talk about how, like, it is it is better to die 
a it, glorious death mm-hmm. than to basically live a long life not fighting. Right. So like they basically he's basically telling the field he's like you're not a real Spartan go fuck off. But the way that the music is skewed <laughs> The way that Gerard Butler like is smiling at him, it almost feels like he's like saying I'm sorry. Yeah. Even though he's not. Like it's just like yeah. the, it's the only part in this in the film where it's like I don't feel like it's working the way you want it to oh, work. Oh yeah. And well, it's... yeah, and I think yeah, as Snyder goes on, his movies are plagued with that where it's like I don't think he's even he even understands that he's not communicating what yeah. he thinks he is. Like it, like it's it's like a he should have said it. And it's, that's what's so weird too is Gerard Butler says like scenes in this like he's chewing on nails yeah like he's like he's just chewing on sawdust and nails but in this scene he says it in the nicest almost this, calm yeah, way this tender like he's talking, kind of tragic yeah tone. like he's talking to his son like why would why are you talking to this deformed <laughs> traitor like that if that's what yeah. you see him as and it's that's like the old it's like it's just a straightforward like if you think that hard you're gonna find you're gonna find those kind of cracks in the armor because it really isn't anything astounding now but it is a footnote in history that is worth talking about because without it we probably wouldn't have gotten more visually astounding comic book films or just blockbusters in general like they're just like you don't really see films like this Mm -hmm. without this film in fact like they're they tried to do 300 again, and it just mm-hmm. didn't work. <laughs> Might have waited too long on that one. And you know what's funny, too, is, like, <laughs> uh, I looked, it's like, oh, they, they probably gave the film, like, less of a budget, right? Because No, they gave it almost twice as much of a budget, and it didn't even Jeez. make that much. It didn't make it, it didn't really make it back. It's like, why would you do that for a sequel that no one is really going to care yeah, about. Yeah, and I mean Snyder at that by the time the sequel rolled around, Snyder had moved on to DC. Yeah, Man of Steel was, came out a year he prior. Was busy with other things, it was like everybody knew Snyder <laughs> wasn't coming back for this. I was what gonna you, say, what are you, who are you I was trying to say? Fool? What are you talking about? He, at that point, DC was worried about what their next film should be because Man of Steel underperformed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's like he's not coming back to do this. Yeah. Uh, but all right, let's talk about the box office because this film has a uh, big box office yeah. and. Andy says he's bad at guessing box office, well, but we're okay. gonna we're gonna try. What did Dawn of the Dead gross? It was like a hundred. It was twenty eight million, budget. and I think it uh, budget wise was twenty eight. I think it did gross like a hundred. It was like almost 30. four times. Oh, it, over four times. It was. It might be. It was probably four times, honestly. Yeah. And so this one was. Uh, this one. What was the budget? Like sixty five. Sixty five million. So he got forty million more, but in terms of a blockbuster at that time. Yeah. That's kind of mid-range now, to a degree. Yeah. That's well, actually a little bit more than Deadpool, I think. Budget? Yeah, yeah budget-wise. Yeah, probably. Uh, what, how much do you think it made worldwide, just in its total? Um, wait, worldwide? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess based on the based on the Dawn of the Dead ratio, I don't know, two, two, two or three hundred? So, domestically, it made 210 internationally it made 245 wow. this movie made over 451 million dollars by the end of its that's run that's insane that is a huge gap when you see like yeah. don the dead it's like with 28 million <laughs> he gave us 100 plus yeah. with 65 he gave us 450 plus <laughs> imagine if we gave this man a superhero film <laughs> yeah. and there we go and yeah and it's, the rest uh, is history and the rest is the rest is another trilogy <laughs> yes the rest is another <laughs> trilogy we will get to but yeah it's uh it's just a huge hit and it was it was a film i remember in the theaters being packed or at least fairly full like it was one of those films where it's like went the weekend it came out because like my father was like super pumped at the time which thinking back now it's like just, just how like awkward and over the top the sex scene is in this film. Just being yeah. like sitting next to my father, like watching <laughs> that, being like, "Oh, okay, yeah, all right." But uh, yeah, that's three hundred. We got a little bit. Do you have any more fun facts? I got a couple. Uh, I mean, not really. Oh, I did uh, find. You know, we were wondering about uh, Dilios's eye. Yeah, it, it doesn't happen on screen. Oh, that's hilarious! It's just he has it before uh, one fight, and then after the fight, you see him wrapping his head. That is, it makes me feel so much better. Yeah, because <laughs> we were talking about it, we were looking for it. I was genuinely kind of frustrated with myself at the one time I probably <laughs> looked away at something. Yeah. is when he lost his eye. But I'm glad to find out that it's just the film doing that off yeah. screen. 
Oh, it's the battle um, where uh, the captain's son dies. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think yeah, because that's when they start kind of losing. Yeah. Because like they they start yeah. losing people at the immortals, but they don't lose anybody with names. Right. They don't lose. It's not until that fight where they lose the captain's son and. Yeah, okay, so let's see. Let's look at some fun facts. Okay. The first big one is, uh, I think it's hilarious if it's true. Uh, Warner Brothers thought they wanted this movie to be PG-13. And Snyder, like, fought (laughs) against it. He was like, no. I can see why. No, this movie is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, imagine how much more just limp this movie would be. Didn't we see that version when we watched the movie? Oh, yeah. We watched the PG. The PG PG trailer. 300 PG trailer on YouTube. Yeah, there's a fan-made YouTube video called, like, 300 PG version. From, like, 2008, Yeah, and it's it's awful, but it's funny just, like, thinking back then, like, how fucking hilarious it was to, like, just, like, middle schoolers looking that up. (laughs) Our beams uh, will blot out the sun. That was funny. And we will hug in the shade. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh... So, like, in the film, the majority of the Spartans are shirtless. Uh, and apparently yeah. the way they did that was they did a eight-week regimen with a world record holding, like, mountain climber. Okay. And, like, apparently he, like, worked them as hard as he's worked anybody. Like, it huh. was, like, and, like, Gerard Butler said, like, this is the worst, like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my <laughs> life. And, like, apparently the regimen was, like, they would do, like, a, they would do, like, an exercise, and they wouldn't do the same exercise twice. Like, they kept yeah. working their every bit of their muscles for eight weeks. <laughs> and that, oh, the Oracle scene. That's yeah. one thing we didn't talk about. There's a, there's a part in the film where Leonidas oh, yeah. that kind goes. That kind of comes and goes, doesn't Yeah, it? Leonidas goes to, like, these oracles. Not, well, he, well, they're, like, priests. Yeah, he goes to these priests who are grotesque and they, ugly they sit on this mountain and above sparta and I, they talk I to the feel, gods i feel like it's maybe more anti-semitic in yeah. in the novel or it, it just that. felt very weird yeah they just they're just like monsters for the sake of being monsters yeah and like they have this oracle who is like you know the most beautiful spartan girl and they basically drug her up and she just like speaks for all of them it looks yeah and like apparently there's the scene where it's like it's super ramped up it's like super slow-mo it's like the super floaty kind of look apparently they shot that scene in underwater which is super chill because it makes sense as to why it has this weird like floaty kind of inhuman because it's like someone's doing that underwater uh but yeah um yeah they used two gallons of fake blood only two two gallons compared to i think it was like in the thousands for dawn of the dead yes not only just the thousands, it was different, different colors. Different colors and thicknesses of blood, the different ma- formulas yeah. for different people. Mm-hmm. Zombies versus yeah. humans. And it makes sense, though, that they only used two gallons, because there were definitely the majority of the times where I noticed blood, it was just post. Definitely like, it was obviously, digital. like, added yeah. later. Well, and, uh, you know, for the most part, I think that even if it has, you know, aged a little bit, the, the digital blood is a good call, because it can, it, it, it sprays out in, mm-hmm. like, you know, stylish fashion in yeah. a certain way, exactly how the frame needs it to so let's see yeah i think the last thing i have here was the the actual numbers for warner brothers in terms of like like i said earlier they wanted it to be like as good as sin city in terms of numbers sin city's last like its overall box office was 158.7 worldwide compared to 456 (laughs) worldwide wow that is a giant gap that i could imagine again it was the film that made everyone go, oh, so that's Zack Snyder. <laughs> yep. so the first film was basically like, oh, this guy is competent enough. He can make films for yeah. us. And now it goes to, oh, wait. No, he's his own vision. <laughs> he's his yeah. own person. He can make his own type of film. And that, in a nutshell, is 300. Yeah. It is, I I think, I don't know. It's it's like, a, it's a solid three out of five. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an okay movie. Yeah, it's it's a good, it's an okay good movie. Like it's, if you're in the mood to watch 300, you watch 300, you have a good time. You forget about it until you maybe yeah. want to watch it again. Like it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like picking up a hack and slash video game. You just want to see people get mowed down and yeah. cut up, mm-hmm. and manly men cut it's, through waves of enemies. Yeah, it's like a Call of Duty game. You, you, it's like, you can't you, get any better than that you, for that yeah. kind of content. But yeah, but. That's all going to change next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next week is the first time 
Snyder gets into territory that I don't think he's he's ever been in before, and that is a uh, well fan backlash mm-hmm. picking up a project that has been in development hell for decades. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and also injecting an iconic IP with his own yes. ideas and flavor, taking a very political, very political. graphic <laughs> novel, one of the most iconic graphic novels of all time, and putting his own spin. That arguably contradicts contradicts what he's trying, <laughs> what the con- the novel is trying to do. Yeah, and so that's why next week we are going to finish off the trilogy with 2009's Watchmen, the first <laughs> big divisive Snyder film. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be so much fun. Like I'm legitimately giddy to watch. Uh, we're going to watch the three hour director's cut. Because yeah, why the yeah, yeah. fuck not at this point? Like, Gotta swing for the yeah, fences. Yeah, because at this point, the next... Snyder does. Yeah. Snyder swings for the fences, and yeah. so do we. Because at this point, we're going to... we're gonna. There's the other director's cuts in the future we're going to yeah. probably watch, so we might as well just watch right. what his vision. And so we will talk about uh, Watchmen next week. Uh, what, so what is today? Uh, today <laughs> is the 19th. Today is the 19th. <laughs> I can't say my I, watch on that one. I can't say any other date because you will catch me on that. <laughs> we are shooting this live from New York. Yep, September live from Radio 19th. City. Yes, Radio City Musical. Yeah. Hall. So, oh, yeah, my so the 26th will be Watchmen. Yes, it'll be the finale to our trilogy, and then we will... Uh, spooky just, time. Oh you know, well, we got well, we yeah. got we got a little in between spooky yeah, we time. Got and some we bonus will, snide. Yeah. Bonus we got, snide. Yeah, we got our first uh, side story. We'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, next week. For oh, yes. <laughs> so uh, tune in next week on the 26th when we talk about Watchmen. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash and I'm Andy Carr. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>